right. Hello there. So we are actually jumping on here ahead of the episode you're about to hear that we recorded like a month ago. Yes. To tell you about some changes that are taking place with the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. We fear change. (laughs) Don't be afraid. (laughs) So we have decided that it is the best thing for us right now to slow down a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I know that if you are a loyal listener, you know that we have been doing at least two episodes a week since we started in 2020. Until I got that crazy hair where we needed to do five a week. Yeah, that didn't last long. (laughs) (laughs) October 21. Yep. It was a busy time. It was very busy. We've decided we're going to try something new and we are only going to be releasing one episode a week. (gasps) What? How dare you? Don't hate us. How dare you? It's just what's best for us right now. In the end, this is a lot of work, right? It's a lot of hours that go into this. One episode a week is still a lot of work. It is. But it's half of what we're doing right now. Small, subtle changes. And it's okay. A lot of of podcasts that I listen to only release one episode a week, and it's okay. It is okay. (laughs) I have to tell myself that too, right? I know that you do. Like I've held on to this model for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this episode will come out on Monday because I don't want anybody to be upset that there's not an episode there when they expect it. But just know that we may change our release date to more like midweek. Yeah. You know, because now we do Monday and Thursday. Maybe we'll release on Wednesdays or something. That would be wild. (laughs) Totally wild. Y'all, she's wild. (laughs) Now, we also have some changes over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. We do. So the way we've always done it is we've just had one tier at $4 per month that give you access to everything, like everything we put on Patreon, everyone has access to. We have decided since we are taking away from our main podcast that we will offer two new tiers. Do you want to explain the tiers? Yes. So our base tier, which it will call short and sweet, will have access to all of our short and sweet episodes over on Patreon. So that would include like middle school notes, dear diary episodes, teen magazine quizzes, or like the say anythings that we read sometimes. Right. They're like eight to 15 minutes long, typically. Anything under eight minutes, like we've got more work to do. Let's go. (laughs) Now, tier two is our game show tier. Yes. So, you know, all the nostalgic games that we play, Trivial Pursuit, Name That Tune, just trivia games all around. There's so many different kind of games that we've played. We play a lot of games over there. So it's a it's a healthy tier for it's, sure. It's healthy. <laughs> and then we have our existing tier. That's our $4 a month tier. That gets everything. That has pilots on Patreon. That has our summer reading series. If you want to hear us reading things in funny voices, mainly me, <laughs> our movie recastings and anything else that we do over there. That's right. I know sometimes change is hard. Sometimes trying something new is hard. Hopefully you understand if you miss the short and sweet episodes or the game show episodes, or you want to have access to even more fun stuff we're doing, come on over, see which tier is best for you. It's just a way that we can still offer something to you. Right. And in the end, someone that was listening to the main podcast, non-Patreon, 
they can still almost get eight episodes a month. Yes. But in the end, we spend a lot of time doing this. And that's really our only way to earn anything for the podcast. We get little bits here and there through whatever, right? But that's one way that you can come show your direct support. Yes. In whatever tier makes sense for you. Right. And if you can't do it, totally fine. We get it. You just maybe let some episodes build up and then you can binge them all in one day and it feels like you're still getting a lot. Shh, don't tell them. (laughs) Don't tell them about that plan. (laughs) So on our main podcast, we will probably be doing less of the shorter episodes because I don't want to give you one episode a week and it be a 15 minute episode. Right. So they will be more like our movie coverage or our My So-Called Life recaps and things like that. So, yeah, I guess we've covered everything. Thank you all for listening and participating in everything that we've worked to create. Stacy mainly does a lot of the work. So thank you for all your hard work. And yeah. we'll continue on in our podcast and nostalgia community journey. Yeah. And also know that this may just be a phase where we need a little break without taking a full break. Right. And who knows, maybe one day we'll be back to five episodes a week. It could be. If we get lots of advertisers that want to pay us, we'll be back. Boom. (laughs) We'll be shelling out those episodes. Motivation. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Stay tuned for your regularly scheduled episode. Hello. Welcome back. It's the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. You're listening to Stacey and Pete. (laughs) He's just nodding at me. Yeah. He's like, yep, you covered it. That's right. We are. I don't have anything to add. We are Stacey and Pete. That about nails it. (laughs) You know one section of the show that uh, I miss a little bit? What's that? Your weekly updates of what you posted. You know, I was thinking about that just yesterday, actually. Were you? I don't know if people like that or not, but- Something that is going on right now on our Instagram page is a question I put out to the audience about or to our followers asking what slang you've held on to that kind of I think it says like betrays your age, but I would just say is telling of your age. Sure. It's been fun to see everyone's answers. That'd be good to go over. I haven't seen that one yet, so I need to check it out. Be bodacious to check it out. (laughs) There were a lot of, you know, psych. Psych. Not. <laughs> we were very sarcastic back then. Yes. Yeah, it's a good it's a good list. I would recommend going through the comments. You always get one person that comes in and they're like, this isn't a thing. This isn't a thing. <laughs> when you're only only young people hold on to, to slang to feel like they need to define themselves. Right. And I'm like, obviously you didn't look at the comments because there's like thousands of comments of people telling me what slang they hold on to. Right. Because their their worldview is accurate and the only. Their way is the only way. Their way is the only way. I mean, even us, like some people were listing things and I was like, oh, I don't realize that people don't say that like awesome. People don't say awesome. Yeah, I guess not. Uh Uh-oh. Or call people a dork or. So that betrays my age? These are things that we've held on to from our youth. (laughs) All right. That is telling of, of that because young people today don't speak that way. Oh, that I know from my time on Call of Duty. They do not speak that way. Oh, wait. Or should I say yes? I was about to say bet. (laughs) Or what's good? I mean, what's what's, good? Oh, what's good is normal. No, that's not how they use it. How do they use it? Um, They don't say like what's good, like as in like what's up. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they use it. Yeah. That's that's old school. No, 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 no. 
Yes, it I is. I don't believe that is old school. You never heard anybody say what's good? No, that's a very recent thing. No, it me. is not. Oh, for you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here you are stamping your <laughs> worldview onto me. No, I'm just telling I you. I disagree, young that, lady. That's not. I've heard that for a long time. Bet. <laughs> no cap. No, no cap. cap. No cap. I only recently learned what that meant. <laughs> I saw some posted. I can't remember what. It was like how a middle schooler would react. He's like, oh, God, I'm I'm sitting right now as he's not sitting on the on the bench. Oh, like on God, meaning like. Truth. Uh, trust me. true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's another new one. From the kids. Fascinating. Yes. <laughs> cool beans, I mean. Yeah, I mean, that's totally hip, man. <laughs> <laughs> All that in a bag of chips. <laughs> One thing, though, that I felt like was of our time saying Audi 5000. Yeah. And I heard some 20-something saying that on a reality show I was just watching. Well, listen, they can borrow from our era. That doesn't give them ownership. As long as they credit it. That's right. Better credit your source. Whoever you are. Give credit where credit's due. (laughs) All right. Let's get into show and tell. Who do we have this week? This week we have Brian. Brian Barry. Brian says, my son Jackson and I love your podcast. We listen to it all the time together. And he always asks for a new one. That is great to hear. It is. Hi, Jackson. Hello, Jackson. (laughs) We're back. (laughs) It's funny. It's like, I love that they listen to it together, but it also makes me feel bad if we've ever said anything too inappropriate. Yeah, we were just just talking about it earlier. I forget. Um, Oh, we were watching... Well, what we're covering, Footloose, and there was some comment that I said we could make, but I kept this in mind. Be like, ooh, well, Jackson could be listening, (laughs) so we may not want to say that. So, But also, I know at least a few of our nieces and nephews sometimes listen as well, because like like your sister will be in the car and they'll be listening, or our sister-in-law. and Right, but here's the thing. They're up in New York, right? And I feel like the talk and language that is used around (laughs) those kids is a little different. I think we keep it pretty PG on this podcast. I'd say maybe PG-13. Sometimes. Occasionally. Yeah. There might be some innuendos, which we all experienced in the 80s anyway. We did. (laughs) If it was even innuendo. (laughs) (laughs) Or it was just like, as we rewatched it when we were older, we were like, oh. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get back to it. Back to it. So Brian was born in 1978. His favorite movie from the 80s is Top Gun. Brian says, this is my favorite movie of all time. I used to watch this movie at least once a week and knew every word in the movie. I still watch this movie at least two to three times a year. I was very excited about the new one and it was good, but nothing beats the original. I feel the need, the need for speed. Totally agree. I loved the new one as well. I thought it was extremely well done, but it doesn't beat the original. So I'm on the exact same page, Brian. He's got a couple HMs here. Return of the Jedi and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Nice. Very great list. Awesome list, as we'd say. (laughs) As us old fogies would say. (laughs) All right. Brian's favorite song from the 80s, Summer of 69 by Brian Adams. Those were the best days of my life. He says, being Canadian, Brian Adams was a legend growing up, and you can't beat this song. Every time I hear it, I have to sing it as loud as possible. I cannot blame him. It is a great song. It is. We're not Canadian, but we also love Brian Adams. I have Canadian roots. (laughs) My grandfather's side of the family, from Canada. 
Not my dad's side. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know why I said grandfather's as I was thinking through it. It didn't make a lot of sense. Wait, are you trying to say your <laughs> are you trying to say your dad's side of the yes, family? Yes, it's my dad's side of the family. <laughs> well, your grandfather is your dad's side of the family. My grandfather could be on either side of the family. Well, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so it's probably a little bit a little bit more accurate a to say confusing there. my dad's side of the family. Yes. And I grew up right across Lake Ontario, so we could wave and, you know, not see Canada. I was surprised how close it was when we went to Niagara. Yeah, very close. HM's Anything Huey Lewis and the News. Love it. Favorite 90s movie, Jurassic Park. This movie still doesn't disappoint. And when the raptor is in the kitchen, it's still one of the most heart-pounding moments. I still jump out of my seat, and I know it is happening. Yes. HM of the Crow and 10 Things I Hate About You. Nice. I have not thought about The Crow in a while, but that was a really good movie. Yeah. Sad in the end, but a really good movie. 10 Things I Hate About You is on the list of upcoming movies that we might be covering. I like it. Favorite 90s song from Oasis, Wonderwall. He says, every time I listen to this song, it takes me right back to high school and hanging out with my best friends, Adam and Kevin. This song was on every camping playlist we would put together for our yearly trip every May 24th long weekend. Aww. Oh, that's awesome. That is such a 90s song. And it, it does. It takes me right back to high school, too. That whole album. I love that album. But yeah, Wonderwall. It's hard to beat it. HM's Smells Like Teen Spirit and Killing Me Softly. I cannot disagree there. I was doing my part of an episode edit last week, and I was putting Smells Like Teen Spirit in there, and I started rocking out so hard, you had to come in and check on me. <laughs> yeah, well, you were making noises, and I was, I was like, what is he doing in there? Well, listen, I had headphones on, right? And I just started bouncing around in my chair when the drums kicked in <laughs> and slapping the desk, and you, I don't know that you knew what was going on. <laughs> you were embodying Dave Grohl. I was. <laughs> <laughs> we just heard a Fuji song, too. It wasn't Killing Me Softly. What was it? You're watching the Michael Jordan uh, Netflix. Oh, I, what song was on there? I don't know. What was it? Oh, I can't remember, but I was getting down. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. It's a great special, too. Yes. <laughs> Favorite 80s or 90s TV shows? G.I. Joe and Transformers. I watched them every day when I came home from school. I would have to hide and use my parents' tiny TV in their bedroom as my <laughs> sister would never let me use the living room TV. Uh, I know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> I also had a sister that would run the roost and control the television. If you got there first, it didn't matter because she would just beat you up. <laughs> HMs, Perfect Strangers. I loved this show and can still do the dance to this day, LOL. Uh, the dance of joy. The dance of joy. Hey. You know, we cover Perfect Strangers pretty early on, and I still kind of hate that we had to just watch like a few episodes in the beginning and a few at the end. We couldn't just watch every episode because there was just no time. There was not. But I mean, I still want to go back and watch more. It's such a comfort show for me. It is. We should go back and cover the first season episode by episode after we're done with Felicity and my so-called life. <laughs> and whatever's on the docket next. Add it to the list. Put it on the list. <laughs> Toy that Brian loved most as a child, all of my G.I. Joes. 
I wish I hadn't used them so much. They got destroyed in all the battles I would make up against Cobra. I feel the same. I miss those toys. And some of them are hard to get at this point in good shape. But uh, yeah, they were awesome toys. Just awesome. Sounds like you and Brian could be besties. I don't disagree. We're lining up here. (laughs) Favorite game or book that you loved as a child or teenager? My favorite game of all time was Super Mario 3. My sister and I would play this game for hours. It was the best. This is something that we just did within the past year, I guess. We had a all-day Super Mario 3 session with McNair. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because for some reason, I didn't play Super Mario 3. So I was just watching because yeah. you guys knew all the tricks and everything. And I we was, did. You know, one day maybe I'll, I'll try by yeah. myself when no one's watching. <laughs> Favorite place to go to in the mall in the 80s, 90s, or early 2000s? He says, my favorite place in the mall was to go to the arcade. We would play there for as long as we had money. Our favorite was NBA Jam and Double Dragon, and it is still one of my favorites. I had Double Dragon on my Master System, and I loved that game. Yeah. I don't know that I played it much in the arcade, though. NBA Jam, though, I played a lot of. In the arcade? In the arcade and at home. And I've thought about getting the arcade one up, just to hear the, he's on fire! (laughs) (laughs) And finally, anything else you'd like us to add about nostalgia or fond memories? I love how certain things will always take me back and remind me of a time or person. I love how songs, no matter how long it's been, will always remind me of a friend I had or a thing we did. I love constantly reliving those carefree times and living the best possible life. Yes, I love it. Great show and tell. Yes, thank you, Brian. Yes, thank you. And thanks again to Jackson. That's right. Thanks, Jackson. And if you'd like to participate in our show and tell, you can send us an email at we don't want to grow up pod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at We Don't Want to Grow Up Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. You can also find us on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. We've got our Facebook group, The Cozy Club, fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. And if you would like to help support the podcast or just have access to bonus episodes, you can come over to our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. You can donate $4 or more per month and that helps support the podcast and what we've got going on. And it also makes us happy. That's right. Also exciting. We have new merch. We have so many items available with three different logos to choose from. And you can go to we dash don't dash wanna dash grow dash up dot my spread shop dot com dot com <laughs> it's movie time now everybody cut foot loose now I gotta cut loose foot loose It's another one of what I would call a Sunday movie. This was on all the time. 1984's Footloose, a musical drama directed by Herbert Ross. A very brief summary here. Ren McCormick is a teenager from Chicago who moves to a small town, very small town, where he attempts to overturn the absolutely ridiculous ban on dancing. It blows my mind that this was a thing. Yeah. I don't get it. But anyways. People going to do what people going to do. <laughs> Bet. <laughs> All right, our cast. Playing Ren McCormick, Kevin Bacon. We have Lori Singer as Ariel Moore, the original Ariel. <laughs> Diane Wiest as Vi Moore. John Lithgow as Reverend Shaw Moore. Chris Penn as Willard Hewitt, who sadly passed away in 2006. Yes. Sarah Jessica Parker as Rusty. John Laughlin as Woody. Elizabeth Gorsey as Wendy Joe. Francis Lee McCain as Ethel McCormick. 
She's always playing a mom in she the is. 80s. Yeah. She's the mom in Gremlins. She's the mom in Stand By Me, to name a few. Totally agree. <laughs> Grin and Diane Weist has uh, played a, a good mom role a yes. lot as well. Yep. And, and a good aunt role in Practical Magic. Oh. Mm-hmm. Jim Youngs as Chuck Cranston. And Timothy Scott as Andy Bemis, who sadly passed away in 1995. All right. It's time for some fun facts. So... This film, which I never knew until I started researching, was loosely based on events that took place in a small, rural, I can never say rural, Rural. (laughs) an extremely religious farming town of Elmore City, Oklahoma in 1978. So dancing had been banned for nearly 90 years. 90 years. 90, nine zero. Wow. Until a group of high school teenagers challenged it. Wow. Yeah. In a 2013 interview with Howard Stern, Kevin Bacon admitted that he actually tipped DJs at weddings not to play Footloose. (laughs) He stated that people expect him to dance the song as he did in the movie. In truth, while he did some of the dancing, there was also a dancing double for him. And sometimes you can see his double. Sometimes you can. (laughs) It's very obvious that it is not Kevin Bacon. Speaking of that, according to Kevin, his credited main dance double in the famous warehouse scene, Peter Tram, was married at the time to Maureen Jahan, who was the famously uncredited dance double for Jennifer Beals in Flashdance in 1983. Oh, wow. Dancing couple. Yeah. Quite the duo. The scenes where Chris Penn's character had to learn how to dance were added to the script because Penn really could not dance. (laughs) I love it. I read somewhere else, too, that they used some like wrestling terminology to explain certain things because that's what Chris Penn, the actor, knew. Really? And they did it also with Willard (laughs) because, you know, there's a scene where they're like on the wrestling mat. Yeah. So the dancing feet in the opening credit sequence where Footloose is playing and we just see all the foot changes of everybody dancing contain many of the cast and crew. Over 150 pairs of feet were shot and the dancer with the gold shoes was Kenny Loggins. Ah, yeah, we were checking those out today. That's right. Well, because I knew that they were his, we kept going back because they actually look kind of brown at first glance. Like shiny brown. Yeah, but then you can tell those are definitely the gold shoes. They're a golden brown. (laughs) Obviously, Kenny sang the title song, Footloose. Yeah. And I'm free. Heaven helps the man. We sang both those. Did not know that. Daryl Hannah turned down the offer to play Ariel Moore in order to play Madison in Splash, which also came out in 1984. Wow. Elizabeth McGovern, Melanie Griffith, Michelle Pfeiffer, Jamie Lee Curtis, Rosanna Arquette, Meg Tilly, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Heather Locklear, Meg Ryan, Jennifer Jason Lee, Jodie Foster... Phoebe Cates, Tatum O'Neill, <laughs> Phoebe. Phoebe Cates, Bridget Fonda, Lori Laughlin, Diane Lane, and Brooke Shields were all offered the role of Ariel, but turned it down. So basically every actress in Hollywood at the time. Every working actress in Hollywood <laughs> turned it down. Wow. Bet they regret it. I bet they do. <laughs> but I like Lori Singer, so I'm glad they all turned it down. Yeah, she did a great job. Yeah. So Tom Cruise and Rob Lowe were both slated to play Ren. And the casting directors were impressed with Cruise because of his famous underwear dance sequence in Risky Business in 1983. But he was unavailable for the part because that's when he was filming All the Right Moves. Ah. And then Rob auditioned three times and he had the dancing ability. He had the, quote, neutral teen look. Although Rob Lowe is anything but neutral. Yeah. He's a standout. He does stand out. (laughs) 
especially back then. I mean, he's still, a, you know, a good looking gentleman. Yes, but he is. Back then in the oh, mid 80s. He, he was stunning. Stunning. Striking. <laughs> <laughs> so he had the look that director Herbert Ross wanted. This is where you sing. He's got the look. He's got the look. <laughs> but Rob pulled his knee. Oh, wow. And then the injury prevented him from playing Ren. And then after Herbert Ross watched Diner, which came out in 1982, that's when he felt he had to convince the producers to go with Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon was offered the leading role for the Stephen King movie Christine, which came out in 1983, at the same time that he was asked to do the screen test for Footloose. The producers had to convince Bacon that turning down a sure role in Christine for a part he might not even get in Footloose was the wiser choice. The producers told him that if he got the part for Footloose, the role would make him a star. 30 seconds into the screen test, Bacon was offered the part. Wow. And then he had to fight to keep it because producer Sherry Lansing said he wasn't sexy enough to headline a youth-oriented movie like this. Ouch. Ouch. It took Herbert Ross weeks of pleading with her that he was sexy. And it took various new screen tests to change her mind. But it did work. And the rest is history. Indeed. They were right. It did make him a star. It did. There's no way that you can guarantee that, though. I don't know how they tell them that. Well... That's just because they want him to take the part. I don't know how anybody would look at this movie and just think, yes, this is definitely going to be a hit. This is a hit. Yeah. So during the filming of an episode of Third Rock from the Sun called Dr. Solomon's Traveling Alien Show, which came out in 1998, one of the characters that was playing a circus strongman took John Lithgow aside to share his personal story with him. He confided that he was from a small town in Louisiana where his father was a Baptist minister. and He would not allow the kids to dance or listen to rock and roll music. So when he first saw Footloose, he explained that Lithgow's reverend character was the epitome of his own dad. And after he brought his dad to see the film without any warning of what the movie was about, his father was so touched by Lithgow's performance that he allowed this man that was speaking to John Lithgow to be the first of six children that was permitted to attend their high school prom. Wow. Changing lives. Changing lives directly. Good job, (laughs) John Lithgow. (laughs) Kevin Bacon based his hairstyle on Sting, the musical artist, his spiky hairdo, as he was a big fan of the police at the time. He mentions the police in the movie as well. He does, yeah, yeah, as he's getting pulled over by the police. Yeah. (laughs) So I love this because it reminds me of like Fast Times at Richmond High. Kevin Bacon was 24 and he was given permission by the principal to attend Payson, Utah High School as Ren McCormick, (laughs) transfer student from Philadelphia to get into his role. So he wore the narrow tie and the new wave haircut and he was pretty much treated like he was treated in the film. Ostracized, but also accepted? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it was only a day. Yeah. Who knows if it had gotten to the acceptance point? Oh, yeah. He was just there one day. Right. Oh, I, I, okay. I believe so. So in the DVD commentary, Kevin Bacon revealed that the co-ed extras in the locker room scene were paid $20 a piece to appear nude. I have to say, I feel like this is one of the only movies, especially from the 80s, where there is male nudity and no female nudity. Yeah. Interesting. I, of course, don't remember that. This is the first time I've seen... All the butts. All the butts in this movie because it was always on just standard television. Oh, so they just cut that scene Yeah, it was all cut out. It would be easy to cut the butts. Yes, cut the the butts. The way the scene was shot. (laughs) Well, I don't know, though, because there are times where they're talking and you can just see bare booty behind them. Yeah, I wonder if they just cut a lot of that scene out altogether. (laughs) Cut the butts. It was a butt cut. (laughs) Butt cut. (laughs) 
So Diane Weist and John Lithgow are only nine and 12 years older, respectively, than Lori Singer, who plays their daughter. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that interesting? John Lithgow in the movie looks like he's like 30 years older than her. I know. (laughs) Only 12 years. Yeah. In his biopic, Still All Right, Kenny Law. No, it's biopic. (laughs) (laughs) It's biopic. No. I actually, after we discussed this last time, I did look it up. And there was like this whole sketch on Seth Meyers' show. They're like having this debate over whether it's biopic or biopic. Who won? It it ended up being really long. And so I just stopped watching it because they they made it kind of silly. And did you go look up what the correct pronunciation was? I think most people would say biopic. I've always said biopic, but I also say museum. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. I'm sticking with biopic. All right. In his biopic, Still All Right, (laughs) Kenny Loggins explained that at the final scene where the kids dance off their prom night, the actors weren't actually dancing to his song Footloose, but rather to Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good. Oh. Loggins' song was added in during post-production. So did they not know that they were naming the movie Footloose at the time? I I would guess. I know they used Footloose earlier in the movie as well, but you would think that they would want to use the song that the movie is titled after in the final scene of the movie. You'd think so, but they did have to go and like refilm a a whole bunch of stuff. So I I don't know. But then we've had discussions about this where sometimes like Only You, how they used a Michael Bolton song at the end of the movie. Yeah. When you would think that's when they would use the song Only You. So sometimes poor choices are made. (laughs) Unfortunately for them, we were not there to make these decisions. Yeah, we would have helped them out quite a bit. (laughs) So you looked this stuff up after we watched the movie today. So why don't you tell us? Yeah, we got curious about the glitter at the end. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about that final scene. They say even the professionals found the prom scene challenging, especially with the glitter pouring down on them. They said they would dump big chunks of it on top of us, then sweep it back up and dump it again. One of the dancers was saying, you're trying to nail your choreography. And they're saying, don't look up because you didn't want a piece of chunky glitter to land in your eye. Yeah. And also, soon after filming wrapped, the director decided the prom scene had to be reshot. He had originally planned the scene to play out in slow motion, hoping the glitter falling would create a magical mood. But when the film was screened to the public, it made the finale drag. Hmm. So they came back and reshot it. I will say, though, that the glitter still created a magical mood. It did. I don't know what it would have looked like in slow motion. What's funny is today when we were watching it, it was maybe one of the first times that I ever thought, is that real? And you asked me, is that real? Because it's just a constant stream of glitter in front of the camera. And then I'm like, well, but it's in their hair. So it has to be real. Right. But there are parts where it just doesn't even look like it's real because it's just so constant. Yeah, it does beg the question. It's just like, how much glitter was there? But I guess, you know, movie magic and everything, they're they're shoveling it back up there and just constantly (laughs) getting the glitter going. All right. So favorite moments. Who's going to go first? I'll go first. All right. Do it. Okay. Number one for me. When Ren takes Willard, Ariel, and Rusty over the state line to go to a bar to go dancing, it is just such a fun scene. You got Hurt So Good playing. Willard is trying to get out of dancing. He's like, my feet have been hurting since this morning. (laughs) He's like 18. It goes without saying that this movie has an incredible soundtrack. Amazing. Waiting for a Girl Like You by Foreigner is playing. SJP, (laughs) Rusty, is so sad because she just wants to dance. Much like her character and girls just want to have fun. Much like it. (laughs) And then, of course, Footloose is playing and she she can't contain herself. She kisses Willard on the cheek and she goes to dance. She's just like, I can't help myself, Willard. 
And then, of course, as she's just dancing with like Ren and Ariel and some other guy comes up, but that's not the problem because he's not touching Rusty. But then she kind of like twirls around and falls into the arms of this man who looks old enough to be her father. Yeah. And then some. But she doesn't seem that bothered. She's smiling and she's dancing with him. She just wants to dance. That's right. And, you know, she's always like, Willard, don't fight. Don't fight. (laughs) And he is he tries not to fight for her. But then he well, he mouths off to the guy. He does. And then he gets punched right in the face. Right in the face. And then we get the classic Sarah Jessica Parker scream. (laughs) It was absolutely an SJP scream. Every time I hear it, it just makes me smile because she still does it now to this day. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My first one. I had to ask the question early on. How far away? Is this soda shop that the girls are going to go visit, right? You and I got all over the reverend for telling Ariel it was a school night as she was leaving to go to the soda shop. It was like noon. It felt like it was after Sunday morning service. Sunday morning service. So it felt like it was noon. It was bright as all get out. Right. And we're like, why is he talking about it being a school night? Yeah. We're like, take it easy, Rev. (laughs) But then a lot of stuff happens while they're on their way to the soda shop. And then once they get there, it's dark. Pitch black, right? Like Rev wasn't kidding. It's like seven hours away. (laughs) I mean, they did say they're in a small town. That's true. I guess they had to go across (laughs) state lines to the soda shop. But they couldn't have because the Reverend shows up later. He could have been driving that whole time, too. He's just like, oh, Ariel, your mom thought you needed some money. Here you go. Next up, we already talked about it a little bit, but the Willard learning to dance montage. What a great montage. One of my favorite 80s songs, Let's Hear It for the Boy by Denise Williams, Oh yeah, is playing as we get all of these different scenes of Ren teaching Willard how to dance. I love when Ren and Willard are practicing with Ren's little cousins, and then also when they're sitting on the bleachers and moving their feet the same way. Yeah. It's just such a good time. You can't help but smile when you watch that scene. That part's just so cool. <laughs> it's so hip, man. <laughs> all right, next up on my list... Ren and Willard are in there washing Ren's car, and we get this conversation. Yeah, well, I haven't noticed a wet t-shirt contest in town yet. Yeah, well, I haven't either, but I'm waiting patiently. Patiently. Uh, Patiently. (laughs) (laughs) Number three for me, the very end scene after Ren and Willard have been out in the parking lot beating up Chuck and his buddies, and they come back inside to their prom, and Ren says, Hey, hey, what's this I see? I thought this was a party! And then we get Footloose playing again. And this is when everybody's dancing, the glitter's flying everywhere. Of course, now when I watch too, I think about what a mess that would be to clean up. Oh, yeah. You know, as an adult. Although I still appreciate the magic of it all. And I would still be willing to use it if I were filming a movie. It was worth it. Yes. But I bet they were cleaning glitter out of their belly buttons and (laughs) behind their ears and between their toes for weeks. (laughs) And we finally get to see the results. Of all of Willard's hard work at dance practice. He is crushing it. He's crushing it, bro. (laughs) Dude. Dude. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My third one, something I noticed, Reverend Moore, and I didn't mean to rhyme here, but I did, is the biggest bore. That is not what I thought you were going to (laughs) say. But true. We get his small town story that he tells everybody, you know, how special everything is. He's telling it to a room full of kids, right? Like... None of those kids care. What I actually wrote is Reverend Dillagath, but with an A for anyone. (laughs) If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Um, 
Yeah, I I didn't like that because it shows him telling the same story to different groups of people in the town. It just feels more like a politician exactly. than anything because he has the whole thing memorized. Right. Over and over and over yeah. again with this boring story. And I'm just like, what is this story going to do for anyone? Yeah. Like, what's it going to spark in people? I mean, listen, for the older folks, they were there for it. True. No fun for anyone. No. <laughs> Why have fun? And no education. No. No reading. Unless it's the Bible. Yes. All right. So HMs, I see here we both have quite a few. So I thought we might just run through them one at a time. All right. Right. First of all, I already mentioned it, but the intro with all the dancing feet. It's just such a fun way to open a movie. Yeah. You know, so many great shoes, lots of nostalgia there. The leg warmers. Oh, I could not stop looking at the leg warmers. I know. And then there was a pair of boots that were like little slouchy ankle like booties. And I'm like, I had a pair of those when I was little. Oh, they, they weren't exactly like that, but they were like gray suede. And I used to think I was so cool when I would wear them. You probably were. Of course I was. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Next up, when Ariel pulls Chuck's boombox out of his truck, puts it on the hood when they're at the soda shop or the right. drive-in, she plays her smuggled tape, as she calls it, and everyone starts dancing. Dancing in the Sheets by Shalimar is playing, and everyone inside apparently can even hear the music. This is a powerful boombox. Yes. Everybody's into it. They all react when the Reverend comes and turns it off and yanks that tape right out of that boombox. We get the Pac-Man blue, 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 blue sound. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And he looks at her like she has committed the worst sin of all time. Yeah. Like she's been caught. You know, she's not hooking up with somebody. She's not drinking. She's not smoking. Nobody's been murdered. Right. They're just listening to music and dancing. Calm down. (laughs) It's so frustrating. Yes. A lot of SJP favorite moments. She is so adorable in this movie. I love her. I love when she sees Ren coming to school for the first time and he's got his skinny tie on and she's like, Hey, that tie is fabulous. I mean, it's fabulous. Don't let anyone tell you any different. Like at first I thought she was kind of making fun of him, like being sarcastic, but she meant it. She did mean it. Which was a nice gesture because everybody else was being mean. Also, when Sarah Jessica Parker, Rusty, is calling Willard and ran over to their table and she's talking to Willard, who's like her boyfriend. And she's like, come on. Good boy. Good boy. She's like luring him with with the chicken. (laughs) (laughs) This scene is this very dramatic scene where Ren is rebelling by listening to music in his car, smoking, drinking a beer and wait for it. Dancing. (gasps) Dancing. Very dramatically. As he flashes back to all the things that have happened in the movie, it's like inspiring him more with yes. his dancing, with his movements. It's therapeutic for it him. It is. <laughs> this is when we get all the acrobatics and the dance double is working overtime. I feel like the only thing they missed was like one of those streamers. <laughs> he should have put some leg warmers on. <laughs> he needed some leg warmers. <laughs> also, where Ariel takes Ren into this like train car to show him what they call the yearbook, which is this place where all the kids have like written on the walls but there's excerpts from books that they're not supposed to read or magazines there's poems there's one that she wrote i thought that was pretty cool you know it's like they will find a way exactly then there's a moment where ren and ariel finally kiss and she's shown him her music box and then so you've got the music box music mixed in with almost paradise it was a good transition it was and we hear almost paradise later in the movie yeah so a nice little Sneak peek. I love this because there's a moment where Shaw and Vi, Ariel's parents, are in their bed and they're talking and 
Shaw's talking about the kind of promiscuous things that happen when people dance with each other. That's right. It doesn't lead anywhere good. And she laughs at him. <laughs> well, what's so funny? <laughs> you talk like that's the only thing that gets them excited. Don't you remember when we used to look at each other and get excited? Well, it's just the same with them. You're not going to put their eyes out. Of course he's like, no. Of course I said to Pete, but you would if you could. That's right. You, you would know? blind them. But it's sad because it's like she's over there having to stand beside him as the preacher's wife. But she is just like, you're being ridiculous. Yes. You're not remembering what it was like to be young. And it's like, again, you let them dance or not. It's not going to stop them from like falling in love or finding someone attractive. Right. That's like water running downhill. It's going to find a way. Yes. And eventually, you know, Ariel, Vi, Ren even seem to start getting through to the reverend and he kind of humbly goes before his congregation and he's telling them that that he was wrong, basically. And he says, if we don't start trusting our children, how will they ever become trustworthy? It's a good point. It is a good point. And so then he gives permission openly in front of everyone for them to have their prom. Even though they were going to do it anyways. They were. But he's basically trying to calm everyone down so they won't go try to stop it from yeah. happening. And then we have this moment where I'm free. Heaven helps the man by Kenny Loggins is playing and all like the couples are riding on motorcycles. I'm like, I didn't remember them all having motorcycles before, but suddenly everyone has a motorcycle. This is the first time we've seen these motorcycles in this movie. So they're riding to where they're going to have the prom and they decorate it. And the decorations are very cute. I they like are. Them. Yeah. They definitely dressed up that grain silo. Yes. Or whatever it was. <laughs> I also love how happy Ariel's mom, Vi, is to see Ariel in her prom dress. Like She's just over the moon for her daughter. And she gives her her corsage. And of course, Ariel's like, you didn't have to do that. And she's like, I didn't, meaning your dad did it. That's right. But she's like, don't say anything because he'll deny it. <laughs> and then when Ariel comes out and Ren is like, you're beautiful. It's just a, a sweet little moment. And like, he won't let her open the car door, even though he has to like climb through to unlock it. And she starts to open it. He's like, wait. He goes around and opens it for her. When he closes it, he almost clocks her in the head with it, I noticed. <laughs> she like pulls back just a touch. <laughs> she wasn't ready. No. She was probably trying to pull her dress out of the way. <laughs> I like how when they first show everyone at the dance or prom, everybody's just standing around moping. And Almost Paradise is playing. Right. And I was like, are they going to waste Almost Paradise on these mopers? Seriously. Nope. Because Ren and Ariel save the day. They come in. They go straight to the middle of the dance floor. Everybody joins them. Start a sweet slow dance. And then my last HM, I like when the Reverend and Vi go to where the dance is. They're just checking in from a distance. And they have this little moment where they're hugging. They kind of start swaying back and forth a little bit. And they can hear the music where they are. Yeah. And Vi is like, Michelle. We're almost dancing. And it was just a really sweet moment. It, it was. It, it's kind of like he did finally start to remember what it was like before he was so up in his moral high ground. <laughs> Hell bent on Not able to dancing. enjoy right. life. Right. But he is wearing a very cozy looking cardigan there in that yes, scene. Yes, he is. I'm like, could I get one of those? <laughs> I think you might have one kind of like that. Do I? I thought. Oh, I guess like the, the gray zip up one. Yeah, that's very cozy. It is very cozy. I guess it's not really a cardigan. Yours, yeah. But I thought you had a, a cardigan. Maybe not. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Okay, let's hear your HMs. Honorable mentions if you're new here. Yes, my HMs, when the cops take Ren's tape. Oh. And then, you know, the cops are doing their cop things and telling me you're lucky you don't go to jail. But then uh, the, the one cop basically hits Ren in the face with his license. It's just like, man, cops are taking no crap. And taking that tape. I mean, that's the real crime. Yeah, that's like 10 bucks, man. <laughs> He's like, that's I just theft. got that. You know that cop was listened to it later, oh, too. Oh, yeah, he was. Next up, we get this exchange between Ren and Chuck. I thought only pansies wore neckties. Oh, yeah. See that? I thought only assholes used the word pansy. As you said when we were watching, very progressive from Ren for 1984. Yes, way ahead of his time. Yeah. I liked it. My next HM, the tractor chicken race, but... We love that Hero is playing during this tractor chicken race. It's so dramatic for it something is. very silly that they're doing. Very doing. silly and very dangerous. Yes. These kids should not have been trusted because they were off doing all sorts of things that were dangerous. Well, instead of banning dancing, they should have been banning them playing chicken. With tractors <laughs> rolling it down the hill. Could have crushed him. He's lucky that thing didn't fall on top of him because he was in the water. Absolutely. These kids, they don't think through things like this. That's why you got to tell them what to do. Right. <laughs> I feel like I'm lining up on the side of the reverend. <laughs> Listen, within reason. Within reason, right? Like, let them dance. Like, but dancing is not going to hurt anyone. No. I think there's a time and a place for rules and restrictions. You and know what safety. I mean? Yeah, of course. And I know, like, if I was a parent, and, and even as an aunt, I worry about the safety of our nieces and nephews. You know what I mean? And I know I would be a parent that worried for my child, but I wouldn't mm. keep them from going to their prom. You know what I mean? I but don't I would know. say, let's not do a game of chicken. Yes, I would say that, right? Don't but be I, unsafe in a vehicle. I just, yes, I would probably say that too. I, I don't know how much would. I would hover. I'm not sure I if I would be a hover. To, I would try not to hover, but, you know, it's kind of hard. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, that's just a certain style of parenting. I just don't know if I'd be that way or not. I probably would be. Though. You don't know until you're in that position. Right. I'd probably wrap them in bubble wrap yes. before they left the house every day. Exactly. <laughs> but they can dance inside the bubble wrap. Right. Like you can kind of cut holes out for their hands. Yeah. Woo. Listen to your music. I'll buy you music. Exactly. All day long. All day long. Well, we'll get you Spotify, kid. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Next up for me, Ariel, given the Reverend, what for? When he tells her he doesn't want her seeing Ren any longer. She has got no time for that. <laughs> this was very 80s. I was so jealous of kids like this in the 80s that would tell their parents what they were going to do. I would have gotten backhanded, <laughs> much like she did. Well, she did. <laughs> but it didn't stop it her. It would have stopped stop me. Her, no. <laughs> My next one, I put down the 80s dancing is choice. Speaking of uh, slang. That Speaking of slang. It's always so high energy, right? Like it might be a little herky jerky at times and just kind of all over the place. <laughs> but there was a lot of energy behind it. A lot. Next one, this is partially something that you covered, but when Rusty wants to go dance so bad, right? Mm -hmm. Willard, he just doesn't know how to dance. And listen, I identify with that. Most of the time, I would have been the one sitting over on the side while all my friends are having fun dancing and I'm just, you know, glum, non-dancing, no rhythm having, sad sack. (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. I just can't dance. Well, I mean, just like in the movie, they're like, go get him a beer. You know, they're they're just hoping to loosen him up a little. So maybe he'll. That would probably get me out on the dance floor. I think the only times I've seen you on a dance floor was after you'd had several beverages. Yes. And it was probably evident. (laughs) No. (laughs) As my 80s style herky jerky, high energy dancing. (laughs) You trying to be Ren? (laughs) Trying to be Ren here. (laughs) 
Next one, although it's a very rough moment, but I love when Ariel starts smashing Chuck's truck. And then I put here, Chuck is an abusive D-Hay. Yes, he is. Ooh, got no time for Chuck. Next up, I almost had this in my top favorite moments, but Ren's speech to get the dance allowed. I'm sorry, Ren. It had been a hard no for me. He did not sell me. His argument was paper thin. He was, You're saying if you were the reverend. If I were the reverend or on that board, mm-hmm. I would have picked his argument apart to no end. He would have lost that argument. They were not going to be dancing before the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what all the scripture passages that he used said. Yeah, he and Ariel thought it was so smart to be throwing these Bible verses back at them like it was going to, you know, make them realize that they were in the wrong. Yeah. But I just can't believe nobody even tried to question them, because if you're like dirty dancing. Yes. That's not for the Lord. No, this is all just for booty shaking. Mind you, we're all for dirty dancing. We are. We're just and saying for that we're surprised that the people that made that decision, they just let that fly. They still told him no, right? It's just they should have picked it apart a little bit more. Right. Like the reverend would have been quick to point that out. Say you're not dancing before the Lord. Right. (laughs) And my final favorite moment is just more something that I noticed and we started laughing about. What is Ren doing when he's behind the truck and he's got like the little grain door open and grain is slowly falling out onto the ground? (laughs) All Ren is doing is shoveling the grain into the same pile that it's already in. Right. And he's just walking around and creating a pile where there's already a pile. And he's working so hard. He's sweating. And we're just like, what are you going to do with that grain that's sitting on the cement floor? Right. Yeah, Ren, you're here. Just stack the grain on top of it. So (laughs) that's what you're here to do. It was just their way of making him look busy while he was chatting. That's all it was. But I caught them. (laughs) You did. They're busted. (laughs) Busted. Okay, so I feel like we have already talked about some of our least favorite moments, but I think we have a few more. We do. One of my least favorite moments, that semi-truck driver seeing these two trucks coming down the road with a child standing in between them is not going to stop. All he's doing is honking his horn like, I'm not stopping. Yeah, so you better figure it out. Uh, Yeah, like just hit the brakes. Yeah, that whole scene is terrifying. Yeah, and I do also mention like the dumb and reckless stuff Ariel does in general for attention. Yeah, we said this when she's standing in front of the train and screaming and Ren has to yank her out of the way. She's about to get run over and she's just laughing. I was like, it's a big red flag, Ren. (laughs) You did. Yeah, run, Ren, run. (laughs) (laughs) It's not cute. No. And my final one, the scene you mentioned with these motorcycles that came from nowhere, Mm -hmm. nobody is wearing a helmet. Right. Such a sign of the times, but no kids are wearing helmets, riding their bikes. Nobody's wearing helmets on their motorcycles. Very 80s. Very 80s. Very dangerous. I never wore a helmet riding my bike. Really? Yeah. I didn't either until I got (laughs) older. I mean, I was a kid when I, you know, but I was like all over my neighborhood. Yeah. Going up massive hills. I mean, you know how big the driveway is. Right. I'm trying to think if I wore a helmet while skating. I had pads on everything else. Mm-hmm. Not but the I, most important part. Yeah, I think I hit my head on the ground once <laughs> and then bought a helmet uh, soon after. Yeah, well, luckily you didn't hit it hard enough that you were able to still. Yes, I was still able to make the right yeah. choice afterwards, though I, I didn't have any pads on when that happened. I was just going for an exercise run on my skates and fell for no reason at all, which mm. didn't generally happen. But I had no pads on, so I've, I've got a big scar on my arm yeah. from that. I've got a scar on my leg, and I whacked my head. So I was taught a lesson quickly. I don't want to get into some sad stories, but I personally know of people that have had the same thing happen, and it was not a good ending. So Same here. Yeah. Wear helmets, kids. 
This I just thought was annoying. I love Willard, but when Ren is about to play the game of chicken on the tractor, he's never driven a tractor. And Woody's giving him the instructions on what to do. And it's like very intense because it's about to happen. They got to hurry. And Willard is repeating everything Woody is saying. So he's like talking over him the whole time. So Ren can't even get the full instructions because Willard just won't shut up. Yeah, it's really annoying. It's supposed to be, but it's also like, shut up. Well, right, because you're not doing him any favors. No. Ariel does grow on me, but I did not like her at all in the beginning of this movie. It actually took me a while to like her. And I didn't like that she wasn't interested in Ren until he won that game of chicken. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden, oh. Oh, you're a winner. You're brave. (laughs) Not a fan of that kind of stuff. Of course, we mentioned it before when the Reverend slaps Ariel, when Chuck and Ariel fight and he's like beating her up. Like, that's all just rough. Horrible. Also, that book burning. Yeah. We said before there were parts of this movie that felt very ahead of its time in a lot of ways, just because of the like the teen speaking out against this injustice, you yeah. know, but also it's like the glaring realization that we still have so far to go because there's a lot of repression and censoring that's still happening now or that people are still trying to make happen now. Right. But we won't get into that because that doesn't feel cozy. It's not cozy. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's reality. It is. That's not what we're here to talk about. That's right. We are here to talk about Signs of the Time. What you got? I noticed in the opening scene, the mesh shoes. Let me tell you that he refused to just talk about the mesh shoes when I was talking about the intro. He had to make it its own thing. I noticed them and I wanted to call it out. You could have called it out then. Like, okay, so what? tell me more about these mesh shoes. I just noticed them. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of mesh? I don't know. I don't know if I noticed them. You didn't notice them? No, you did. That's your job. I feel like they were probably made out of some kind of material. (laughs) And you wore them on your feet. And you put them on your feet. Yeah. And they were mesh. (laughs) Were they white? What color? They they? were white. Did you have some? Uh, Yeah, I did. Okay. I think mine were like blue or something, though. Oh, not the same. I mean, not the same color. (laughs) All right. The mesh shoes. Good job. (laughs) It was important for me to say. Next up, when we see these kids and teenagers doing anything else other than listen while sitting through the sermon, I absolutely identify with that. And the Reverend mentions being bored. And I put down here, you're right. I am bored. Yes. And as he says that about being bored, it shows Ariel painting her nails in church. It's showing she's also bored. But the trouble I would have gotten into if I was actually asleep like that one kid was. Oh, my goodness. Big trouble. (laughs) Yeah, it made me laugh. It got me thinking about the things that my friends and I used to do during church when we were bored, especially as teenagers. We would mostly take the offering envelopes and write notes to each other throughout the entire service. We would play. Do you remember that game where What is it? You'd like draw these dots and shapes and stuff like that. And then you would have a pencil and you would try to connect. No, you'd put the pencil on the paper, but you'd only put your finger on the top of the pencil. Then you would try to slide the pencil because it was like a a shot, right? It was kind of like battleship or something like that. We would play a lot of that. So you'd start out with like something could be a move or it could be an attack. And you would try to position your stuff and move it around and try to you play a game okay. on a piece of paper. Well, you just unlocked a core memory for me. Core memory unlocked. CMU. 
where we would take turns, and this was on the church bulletins, or yeah, because it would either be on the bulletins or the envelopes. Yeah, and we would like someone would take their turn, and they would make all these different dots with their pencil or pen, whatever pattern they wanted, and then we would take turns drawing a line from one dot to the next. Yeah, and you would just keep going until you ran out. Right, and then whoever was the last person that couldn't find a connection lost. I'd wow, completely totally forgotten forgot about, about that, that too. I want to play that right now. I know. Let's play it. Let's do it. Something else that was nostalgic for me, unfortunately, doing dangerous stuff with friends in cars, right? Like I never got as wild as Ariel did, like surfing in between them, but just how close they get to each other and the lack of realization of how dangerous you're being by getting that close to each Mm -hmm. other in a vehicle, right? Yeah. It's something that reminds me that I was stupid when I was younger. Yeah. Other thing I noticed in Chuck's truck, he had the prism decal from the dark side of the moon. And then on the other side, he had the Grateful Dead Mm -hmm. on his other window. Yeah. Ren dressing up for school, right? Like he had a button down, he had a tie. But it was in a cool way. Yeah. I mean, that was cool then. I just don't know that it's still cool anymore. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think so. Because it was like his top buttons weren't buttoned up. And then it was the skinny tie with the suit jacket and his wild hair. And his mom comes in as he's getting ready for school. And she's like, you can dress like David Bowie in September when you go off to college. Right. You know, she's trying to help him out, I think, because she's afraid he's going to get made fun of because he's dressing way cooler than these kids are. Like, basically, the styles and trends have not made it to this small town yet. He wants to be progressive, though, from a style standpoint. I don't blame him. Yeah. I like that he still went with it. Yeah. I also noticed there was a Galaga arcade Mm. cabinet uh, in the back of the diner that they went to. Yes. And at the actual prom, there was a gorgeous spread of food, desserts, finger foods, a couple of turkeys, full turkeys. turkeys. Yeah. It's like they were going to have dinner. I wonder, was that a thing in the 80s? Was it also like a dinner? I didn't go to my prom. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember any. I don't even remember getting punch at my prom. Yeah. But I'm sure they had a table with punch, maybe some snacks or something. There wasn't like a sit down meal or anything. No. Right. Okay. But it didn't look like they would have a sit down meal because I didn't even see tables there. I didn't either. I don't know how you're going to be eating that turkey, though. Maybe put it on a little plate or something, I suppose. We did have tables at our prom. And I know that like in my sister's yearbooks, they had tables at their prom. Did they? So maybe they had a sit down. I don't know. You had a good eye there spotting the turkeys because they were far off in the distance because I was looking at like they had pies and cakes and stuff, which I felt like was very much probably the church looking at it like a potluck, like like a luncheon, like a potluck. Yeah. You know, feeding everybody. But then you noticed the big, uh, the big, (laughs) big turkeys at the end. (laughs) So funny. For me, I thought this was funny. Just the conversation that the girls were having in the car at the beginning of the movie. And they're talking about one of their classmates that got pregnant and how she's going to go back to school or whatever. And Rusty's like, I don't feel a bit sorry for you. You can't buy a diaphragm for the mail. I'm serious. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) Just not a line you would hear today. No. Um, I did note the stickers as well in Chuck's truck. Also, he had a huge boom box that was just sitting up in the window. So obviously the radio in his truck didn't work. Yep. Or didn't have one. Or didn't have a cassette player. Also noted the payphone and the arcade games inside of the drive-in. The bathroom in that scene where Ren is getting ready for school, they had the huge glass cubes on the side of the shower, which is so 80s. And then I noticed an old bottle of Jergens and like the tube of Crest toothpaste on the countertop. I was trying to see. There's a couple other bottles I couldn't recognize. Couldn't see them? Yeah. I always wonder if that's product placement or just dressing the set with what you had. 
I think back then, probably just dressing the set. Yeah. I mentioned my sister's yearbook before, but just everything at the school and when they're in the cafeteria, all of the hair and the style and everything, I felt like I was looking at my sister's yearbooks. Yeah. And she graduated in 89. Okay. So I was looking at her yearbooks, you know, from like 84 to 89 or whatever. And I loved them so much. And so it was really fun to see everybody in this movie. It's like seeing it in live action. Yeah. A a moving yearbook. Yes. It was some really good hair, I got to say. Mm-hmm. Like there's that one shot in the cafeteria for like two seconds. You can see this girl behind Willard and her hair is exquisite for the 80s. Yeah, just the bangs. Like, I just don't know if I could ever have gotten my bangs that big. Yeah. Because I tried to do that look a little bit, but I was much younger, but they just never got that big. My sister's friends looked exactly like that. Mm. They were huge. I mean, like six inches above yeah. their head. It makes me think of the girls that were on Dance Party USA and stuff. Like, yeah. It was almost like they were in a contest for who could have the bigger hair. Right. That's a style that while I don't really want it to come back, I kind of wish it would just so I could be fascinated by everyone's hair again. Right. Just to see it do that kind of thing again. Yeah. I think I would gladly remain out of out of fashion <laughs> and non-trendy, but I don't know. Maybe I would try it. I would just want to see like the young kids trying to do it. Right. It would be funny. Well, do you have bangs or you don't have bangs right now? No. You'd have to cut yourself some bangs. Yeah. Be Although tough. yesterday we took a picture because I sometimes I'll let my hair air dry and it'll just kind of be curly. Mm-hmm. I don't normally wear it like that in public, but I will around the house. And I had flopped it over to one side and I looked in the mirror and I was like, I look like Jody Watley or like <laughs> Whitney did. Houston or something from that I want to dance with somebody video. Like you did. Huge hair. It was luxurious. Very luxurious. <laughs> I thought it was funny when Willard and Ren are in the car and Ren's playing music and Willard is just like, are you rich? He's just not used to, he's never owned a cassette. Yeah. They don't listen to the radio. And Ren was like, do you know Men at Work? And he's like, where do they work? You know, whatever. <laughs> he just doesn't know who they are. And the same with the police. And that's when the police are actually following them, but not the band, the police. <laughs> yeah, because you got to think they probably didn't have a record store in town. Yeah. Wouldn't be allowed. That's so sad. Yeah. The Reverend was typing on his typewriter. He was. I noticed him using whiteout. Ah, uh, yeah. So there's a part where Rusty is saying to Ariel, you want out of this town so bad, you probably memorize the bus schedules. And Ariel's like, and you don't? Yeah, they both want out of there. They want out. And that's the way to do it is to memorize the bus schedules because the bus is the only way out. Yeah. Because they probably don't have their own cars because they're so sheltered. They're just not allowed to do anything. Although some of them have their own cars, obviously, because they were riding around. They were. But maybe that was their parents' car. Yeah. It's probably very few and far between. Yeah. They just got to drive it or something. Mm -hmm. And then we were just talking about how a lot of things in the 80s look so old. And I think it's just because they're actually from like the 50s or 60s and they just haven't updated yet. Right. I feel like people were more willing to let stuff be, you know, in their decor, in their house Mm -hmm. for a longer period of time, but maybe not. Well, and then I think probably with TV and JCPenney's catalogs and things like that, you started realizing like, oh, I could change my bedroom to look like this. And, you know. Right. It's like the precursor to Pinterest, like getting the ideas off of television. Right. Once it became color as well. And you're just like, oh, wow. That's how they're doing this TV show. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what's cool right now. Yeah. And I always see people like there's a meme that's been going around for years where they're like what people think the 80s looks like. And they're showing like this really neon chrome looking stuff, you know, and then they're like what the 80s actually look like. And it's like a brown ashtray you know, with like brown wood paneled walls and things like that. And I'm like, it's true. Like that's to me, like my house was decorated in brown when I'm in the 80s. It didn't change until the 90s. Right. The clothes had color or 
maybe somebody's bedroom might be pink. Yeah, I feel like rich people, like really rich people, I feel this would be a sign of wealth yes. that we talked about, had like neon lights and sleek looking decor, that sort of thing. It's not that it didn't exist in the yeah. 80s, but for the, the you know, quote unquote. Uh, for the regular folk. Yeah, it wasn't so flashy. Yeah, it was but like you would brown see, wicker. Right. But you would see, you know, neon colors and bright things like that on TV and on teenagers and yeah. like kids and stuff. We brought it in. We, I mean, people ahead of us did as well, obviously, but. We collectively, we were there we collectively as, you know, children and teenagers started in dressing like that. Right. Because I feel like even in the 70s, if you saw colors, it was like still like yellows and oranges with browns. Like yeah. It still wasn't like you weren't seeing. Pink and like neon. neon green and pink. And, right. You know, that kind of stuff. I just think of like the jelly bracelets that I used to wear that were all just bright neon colors. Right. And like that is very 80s. But I don't know. It's what were we watching yesterday? Oh, Cocaine Bear. Yeah. That's set in the 80s. And it felt very authentic because it was not over the top like what you see on a lot of things where they try to depict the 80s. Yeah, their outfits were pretty spot on. Yeah, which just means that they were pretty normal. They were. Like the brightest they got was uh, Carrie Russell in a pink tracksuit, right? But that was, that happened. Right. And it wasn't like bright pink. Right. It was just Normal pink. Yeah. And the hair wasn't over the top. It it was subtle. Yeah. You know, but it was still like that would have been hair on a mom in the 80s. Mm -hmm. But yeah, anyway, it was just a conversation that got started basically by seeing this big quilt that was hanging on the wall that was all browns. Yeah, all browns. (laughs) All different shades of brown. (laughs) Yeah. 50 shades of brown. And the last thing I wrote was the pull-out bed, the couch that pulls out to a bed. Yeah. Sleeper sofa, if you will. That's what my parents slept on. Really? Yeah, for a long time. Like every night of their lives? Well, yeah. So they used to sleep downstairs in the living room on a pull-out bed every night. Oh. Until they finished in the attic, and then they got a normal bed up there. But that was a few years. Okay. Well, my sister had a normal bed, and then she wanted a sleeper sofa, which I may have talked about on here before. But I remember thinking that it was the coolest thing ever because she could put that bed in, and then her friends could come hang out. I have a million photos of her friends hanging out on that couch in her bedroom. And that was her bed. Yes. Okay. And it was the most uncomfortable thing in the world, the bar that pokes you in the back. Right. That awful. I always loved when I got to sleep in there. Well, I learned to sleep in the middle, but like the wrong way, like sleep sideways in the middle. Yeah. That's so smart. you have a bar on either side of yes, you. Yes, <laughs> that's smart. Although it probably made it dip down. It did dip down. So if you slept by yourself, you were okay. And that's why you couldn't sleep on like either side of the bar. Yeah. Because that, yeah, it would kind of. That would have worked for me as a kid. But for her, she was fully grown at that point. She too big. Yeah. Because it wasn't wide enough. Yeah. Yeah. I only did it as a kid as well. Yeah. But anyway, I was just thinking like, do they still make sleeper sofas? Absolutely. I had one in the 2000s. That I bought brand new from Rooms to Go. I mean, they are convenient when you have company and you have a lot of people at your place. They were just as uncomfortable as they were in the 80s and the heaviest piece of furniture I've ever owned. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. Because that couch, my mom ended up moving it into the living room as like a second couch because our living room is pretty big. And it was solely for when we had Christmas Eve parties at my house and stuff like that. And I remember she didn't get rid of it for the longest time because it was so heavy. Yeah, they're just, they're beasts. Mm -hmm. Well, all right. Are we at the end? I feel like uh, the Janet Jackson song. Is that the end? No. No. (laughs) But it is. It is the end. Seriously. Get out of here. Yeah, you leave. So everybody cut, everybody cut, everybody cut, everybody cut. Footloose. 
Kick off your Sunday shoes. All right. Bye. Bye. The scene. <coughs> the scene. <laughs> We're struggling today. Man. I don't know why my, my voice is rough right now. Puberty. Hmm. Bet. <laughs> Bet. AKA he was hot. Yeah. That was nothing natural know. about that. Right. I don't know that he was a natural teen. Oh, wait. It says neutral teen. <laughs> oh, neutral teen. <laughs> the horizontal mambo. <laughs> Footloose. <laughs> One more time, please. Outtake. Yeah.